0: Welcome the Young and Old Show, WSQF Blake Radio 4. The next two hours, you and I are going to discuss the welfare of the United States with a young socialist, Bernie Sanders' acolyte, claims to be a libertarian, radio socialist Alejandro. You
1: have been a libertarian.
0: You have been. Now, today, last week, he was a libertarian. Yeah. So today he is back to Bolshevik. Yes or no?
1: If you're asking me if the support of the party in 1917 Russia, that's a different question entirely.
0: Do you believe that they were onto something like many Americans back then, Americans thought that that industrialization that that was coming of age in the United States was actually going to be mean, pure in Russia.
1: People have noted that Russia needed to modernize ever since Peter the Great. Like it, it's a long time coming with the Russian character. Well,
0: you they, better elaborate because you're going somewhere where the audience is saying, "What are you talking uh, about?" Um, a lot of Ru- people. Ru-
1: Russia has always been historically considered kind of needing to be catching up to the rest of Western Europe. Like they're as powerful as a Western European country, but um, there's usually like a bit of prejudice that what comes. You,
0: to- you stole the wheel now and the chain. Because I see you now making knots with the charger. Remember, have cut, a little. You want to
1: cut I, me off, or can I explain my point?
0: Well, you're going to be cutting off my. Well, I
1: noticed that that was tied up, so I was. Pulling yeah, it yeah, up. yeah,
0: yeah. He's pretending like he's a boy scout. All of a sudden, Continue. I was a boy scout. Oh my god! But don't go off tangent. Go back to. Um, the,
1: like the Russia's always had a bit of an inferiority complex when compared to the rest of the Western powers, because more or less, you know, they weren't considered part of the under the Tsar... Under the Tsar for a long time, and then under even the Soviet Union, they were always kind of considered um, not up to date with the rest of the world. They're usually considered...
0: They still are. I
1: would say, especially with Putin now, yes, it's almost a point of pride with them. You know, to, to the Russian, they define themselves very much on how they are not, you know, the West, how they are not American.
0: And they stand up for the ideals we once stood up for. That speech that we talked about last week about Putin saying, look at the West. They're promoting transgender equality. I, I would be
1: really sad if we needed to declare a war over um, not letting people transition.
0: I don't think we would declare war on that. Uh, <laughs> I think we've got bigger problems to tackle. Then, but yeah, leave it.
1: let's not give him the benefit of the doubt when he makes these hollow talking points.
0: You know, I don't he, think they're he, hollow.
1: He was, he, they are hollow. Because he, he was talking Why are to, they
0: hollow? If he's saying them and we're not.
1: This is hollow because... It's hollow.
0: We don't talk about it because... It's
1: hollow because he was making these appeals
0: to... Yeah, he the, was lying to a to, group to, of
1: people.
0: But if it wasn't true, I couldn't be sitting here telling you, oh my God, they're talking that in Russia, lying to their people, but at the same time telling the truth about the West, because we ain't talking about that anymore. We think it's okay. What well, it used to be sent straight to the psychiatric ward, we've got the insanity running the asylum. Ah.
1: Have you done any research on the health care for transgender individuals?
0: Yeah, you you can only express to me that you have compassion for them. And, uh, because gonna- what's
1: usually um, a clear sign in a lot of personalities is that they have these feelings, and they... Collaborate with a big feeling of depression, like a big feeling that they cannot engage with the rest of the world because they do not look like how they feel.
0: Imagine after they realize it wasn't their transgender transition that that was the key to their happiness. But
1: perhaps, but here's the thing: It's not perhaps? Why, why, it's, you know, why, it's why, not, why hold that up? Why hold that up? Because it, it's not—it's not reversible. Yes, it is. It's not. Yes
0: it is. No, it is not. There are so many people being interviewed right now about removing their breasts. Uh, increasing their estrogen my, and the boy saying, why did I do this? Somebody told me that, I, that I'm going to be happier if I become a woman. And now I realize, oh, my God, this is not working. I'm still just as depressed, even as a woman, but now for different reasons. And this is stuff you guys don't even fathom when you talk to your left malarkey. Not it's really. bipolarity, the, the, to, the, total the, bipolarity. The
1: existence of detransitioners does not delegitimize the existence of those who need it.
0: We're not denying that it yeah, exists. Yeah, you are. You you're saying... No, you're, you just we're implied, not denying they exist. The fact
1: that there are detransitioners invalidates the fact that there are people who need this treatment.
0: Nobody needs yeah, the did. treatment. You just did. Nobody you, needs the treatment. What yeah, so they you're need. doing it right now. No, now you're denying that
1: anybody needs the
0: treatment. Nobody needs the treatment. Nobody needs the treatment. Some people need treatment. It won't bring them the happiness. Some people need this treatment. I was just at a funeral not too long ago, and somebody in the family of the lost... Family of uh, the lost parties. They have like a distant cousin who walks into the into the funeral. It's, it wasn't the it wasn't the burial. It was the wake, I should say. So not a funeral. She walks in. He she walks in, and all the cousins are looking at each other. Say, look, that's our cousin. That that is cousin. It. She's not a male. She's not a female. She's like a combination. Nobody knows if she still kept her you know her apparatus, but the rest of her is female, and. She can't possibly have felt happy walking into something that she felt obligated to do as a family member, you know, or giving mm-hmm. condolences to the family and respectful. But they all knew her as a boy growing up, and now as an adult, she's a girl. That ain't gonna help her her depression. That ain't gonna help her solace. Uh, well, you don't know. Do you, have
1: you ever had depression?
0: I've suffered from depression. Absolutely. i suffered massive head injury. And, uh, for a year... Because was, the
1: scientific research shows that this is a valid way to treat gender dysmorphia. Like, the science is settled, for the most part.
0: No, it can't possibly... No psychological science is settled. There's a lot of drugs that we were taking in the 70s well, that right are now, banned This today. has been
1: shown a proven fact way to get rid of feelings of gender dysphoria.
0: Yeah, if someone has... So just,
1: it, it just makes you uncomfortable. <coughs> that, that's your argument. It doesn't make is me that uncomfortable.
0: Something there's nothing, to you. A suicidal there's nothing you can you tell been me. You talking
1: about it if you weren't uncomfortable I with believe,
0: it. I wholeheartedly believe, that insanity is running the asylum in our government, in our society, in our schools. I come from that position. You, you
1: started off by saying Putin has a point. Because
0: because we're not making the point
1: because you're we used we to stand for these transgender people that that was your implication. It has a point to go look, and butcher Ukrainians because you know I'm uncomfortable about trans people because I saw one like. What do you say week.
0: about Ukraine? Why are you mixing the two? Don't conflate. Because the, you're
1: saying that this war against the West needs to clear. This is it's war, a war. This is the justification.
0: The that war used, against that you the we're run.
1: talking about. Look, yes, yes, that's exactly the war what he in said. the
0: West. The war in the West that he has. And we discussed with a famous historian the other day, Schneider. The war in the West is many things. But if he could take advantage of the fact that we're no longer talking about man and a woman and reproduction rates and the honoring the nuclear family, the virtues that government should be talking about. The nuclear family
1: came around in the 1950s.
0: Oh, huh sure.
1: It did. That's why it's called nuclear.
0: How about... How about you mean the word? Yeah. Well nuclear family's been a long established truth since the beginning and the founding of this nation. And no, it earlier. Wasn't. Yes, it was.
1: People usually had their whole family living in one house.
0: Why not? Yeah. That is as nuclear th- 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 as you th- get.
1: Th- that's not nuclear. Nuclear means um a husband and wife. And two kids, and you kick them out once they're eighteen, and you kick out your dad. You don't help him when he. Not starts.
0: that, not that. That's Just not the kids.
1: Hispanic way. It's not the Hispanic way. Okay. You and I have a stronger family unit than the nuclear, and I refuse to bow down what to Anglo-Saxon <laughs> nonsense.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I am
1: proud of my Hispanic. Heritage all right, now I'm going to hit you with
0: some nonsense. Backwards. If the government finds a time to equate itself to social uh, I don't know, social mores and what they call today, unfortunately, woke culture. If government is getting involved in such matters, it's also ignoring the much more important nation- nationwide uh, consolation, uh, consultation, uh, conjuring up a narrative in support of the most important and vital function of government make it easier safe uh, safer for people to have nuclear families that reproduce a lot because government is in the uh, is in the business of sucking taxes from people for that to happen you need people and guess what you guys are going down in history with my generation being the number one uh, blame for this. You guys are going down in history as the worst parents that might exceed us as the worst parents in US history. My generation, people born in nineteen sixty and later. We suck as parents. We I it, mean this we, just uh, feels like
1: massive projection on your part. I don't want kids. I help out with my family. You know, they're having kids. Yes. I'm really good but with you're kids. Everybody on- everybody says how good I am with kids. And here's the thing. For me to, I was a teacher, so I know firsthand how to deal with kids, right? And I like kids, but they are taxing on an emotional level that I could not sustain with on a daily basis. And you look at any parent and you get them alone, and you have them admit that raising a kid is incredibly taxing. Like It is exhausting. It's
0: not incredibly taxing. I have two children, and I have two children with two different women. Just like our friend Donald Trump, who has, what, four with three wives. I said with two different mothers, not <laughs> two children with two different mothers. He has four children with, no, five children with three different mothers. It's not taxing. It's an obligation. It's not, you just called it in your flippant, your classic flippant liberalism. You just so called sure. it a hobby. Raising children is not a hobby. And I you're, would. You're,
1: you're saying it's an obligation. You're saying that Absolutely. I, 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 I don't I don't feel the need to refuse. Okay.
0: I don't. Then who's going to pay for your Social Security? You shouldn't have a need to collect Social Security from my children. Who are going to pay for your Social Security? Because you didn't make bunkus in your life being Mr. Narcissist and don't want children. We ought to pass a law. If you don't have children, you don't get Social Security. Oh, but why? I paid for it in my payroll taxes. Uh, yeah, but someone else is paying for it. But I, I, because don't, get, I, I
1: don't get this. Why? I do just you, slammed your argument. No, no, no. Why, I just slammed your argument. This is revealing. Why do you want people to be making kids? Because it sustains like, our society. Yeah, there's A society there's another, that, that, another, that another, the left... I'm answering your question. There's we have for that. That's immigration. Remember, That's I'm, immigration.
0: Address, I'm, a, I'm, I'm addressing your complete political bipolarity, which for me... It's quite impressive because I knew this was going to happen. You guys are complete freaking social losers. Why? You call raising a family just like you call abortion. Taxing. Oh, my God, let's just kill the baby because I don't want it. Like, if it's some kind of hobby, let's just sell the model airplane because I don't like flying the plane anymore. And it was too hard to build it to begin with. Let me just sell the model airplane or let me uh, sell my kites or my stamps or all the other things I collect. That's how you guys are treating people. That is rubbish.
1: We have immigration.
0: Immigration. Immigration.
1: Of, but you of, guys don't want that so because we we really, ski- really have the solution.
0: Because too many people are unemployed here in this country. Immigration only furthers that.
1: Unemployment is the lowest it's ever been. No, my God,
0: are you kidding me? No, I know. Right now, there's eight or nine million jobs available. And over 14 million people who won't come to work that are completely out of the workplace so that your government agency could say, Oh, Joe Biden's on the lowest unemployment in years. It's insanity running the asylum because you guys play with government facts of dishonest government. It's, you remember the CBO in White Houses? Didn't they tell us a thousand times during the Obama administration that Obamacare was going to be budget neutral? It's bankrupted. Every state that incorporates it to this very day, and they just get borrowed by putting a Democrat in the White House, and they just get a bunch of money. That's exactly what, what Joe Biden did in his the last range of budgets. Inflation, what a reduction action. They didn't reduce any inflation. It just sent a ton of money to blue states and, of course, red states. Because I know that Mister. Desantis is benefiting from the money that was sent to him by the Biden administration, and yeah, he plan- unemployment's already back to pre-COVID levels. Yeah, there you go. You're watching the news again. Yes,
1: I'm studying facts. Okay. You, you, you I love search. I, I love the conservative worldview, which is just about pontificating feelings and trying no, to you tie just, them together. I'm, I'm shooting you down. As a substantial down. idea, I'm, Look, this, sho- this, this, I'm
0: shooting. your your feelings down.
1: This is down. as old as Plato, which is just. I don't need to look at the evidence. Um, we all know it's secretly real. We, you'll call this common sense for your sentiments, and then you'll just go on and say, like, oh, you know, that's not why these things work. You have to go out and make kids. You ha- and it doesn't matter if you let in immigrants because that's somehow cheating, even though they start more families. It, it's, it's like you know, the facts just bounce off because you have a feeling that you're mad about other people who are like you, who aren't taking their chances to raise kids? Like, if you really want to know, like, okay, I don't. I struggled with depression again
2: growth. in August, but hiring slowed from a torrid pace. Employers added 315,000 new jobs last month. It was the 20th straight month of job growth, and there are now 5.8 million more jobs than there were a year ago. The unemployment rate ticked up to 3.7 as- percent more people trying to get up? back into the workforce. But even so, many i say trying employers to get I <sighs> still need more workers. Economics reporter Paul Salmon has our report.
1: So, I'm looking at it right here.
2: For concrete pros in northern Ohio, okay, the work wait, for their see. small cr- The U.S. job market showed steady growth again in August, but hiring slowed from a torrid pace. Employers added 315,000 new jobs last month. It was the 20th straight month of job growth. And there are now 5.8 5.8 million more jobs than there were a year ago. The unemployment rate ticked up to 3.7 percent as more people tried to get back into the workforce. But even so, many employers say they still need more workers. Economics reporter Paul Salmon has our report.
3: For concrete pros in northern Ohio, the work for their small crew never stops, rain or shine. Getting business? There. No problem, says Lori there. Joyce. They're backed up for months.
4: The work is there. Good. We just need the workers.
3: How many employees could you have at this point if there were people willing to do the jobs?
5: We could get five or six more employees. Yes. More than
3: double the mm-hmm. number of people you have now? Correct. The job crunch is acute almost everywhere. A restaurant industry survey found fully two-thirds of its members short on workers.
5: Everybody wants to dine in them, but nobody wants to work in them.
3: Sava Farah had to cut service at two of her three Ann Arbor, Michigan establishments.
5: I was told today that my hosts are making about $38 an hour on average. And you're having trouble filling those jobs? Absolutely. Isn't that something?
3: Now, today's solid job report suggests more people are looking for work, and the unemployment rate ticked up in part as a result because they haven't yet found any. Economist Anna Elizabeth Conkle. Of the job posting site indeed.com.
5: Today's report shows that the labor market remains strong. We saw strong payroll gains, and while they weren't as strong as July's blockbuster numbers, it's clear that employer demand for workers is still going strong.
3: But employers are still struggling to fill those jobs. More than 11 million job openings during the height of summer. So the big question why can't employers find enough workers? Among the reasons you've do presumably heard before,
6: I don't see a work ethic out there like there used to be.
3: That's Lori Joyce in Ohio. In Michigan, restaurant owner Farah agrees. And
5: I think hustle is very frowned upon with this younger generation.
3: And that might be amplified by the wave of recent and ongoing government benefits, says Farah. Even the recent student loan reprieve?
5: I think it absolutely takes the pressure off of a lot of college students and people who would otherwise be looking for a weekend job.
3: Of course, there's also still COVID, fewer immigrants, and low pay in high stress jobs, like the no benefits $14 an hour Jalen Graham gets to clean planes for American Airlines in Charlotte, North Carolina, having half the time he used to pre COVID because of understaffing you know, 14 15 bucks an hour, you, you know, you're not really willing to deal with something like this. So we've heard a bunch of reasons. Uh, COVID, lack of work ethic, uh, fewer immigrants who will take the jobs, low pay, um, government benefits. Uh, is that the full list?
5: So, in addition to that, there is uh, the reality of some workers retiring. Earlier in the pandemic, we saw workers 55 to 64 stepping out of the labor force.
3: Again, so economist Ann Elizabeth back. Conkle.
5: There also is the additional reason of uh, care challenges. Um, workers stepping out of the labor force uh, so that they could deal with child care challenges or elder care challenges.
3: Exacerbated by COVID, which has stressed the entire workforce, like his fellow cabin cleaners, says Jalen Graham. We get new hires and then they'll come in for a week or two, kind of see how things go. Realize how stressful it is, and they're already looking for another job. And as they drop out, that puts more stress on you to clean up with fewer people? Sir. So it's like a vicious circle.
0: It's about as, as vicious as
3: a hurricane, really. Vicious as a hurricane on the tarmac at the table.
5: The restaurant industry has historically been a challenging place to work, and it's become 10x. More challenging.
3: Ann Arbor's Sava Fera.
5: When you don't have the right resources, everybody gets burned, everybody gets hurt, people leave crying, people quit on shift. It's, it's really kind of traumatic, to be honest with you, Paul.
3: So as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, this is like a labor supply chain crisis. And this was the aha moment for me. After a demand freeze, ships dry docked, planes grounded, restaurants shut. A demand surge, whole industries overwhelmed, and their workers, for the various reasons mentioned, out of the workforce, making the jobs more stressful and thus less attractive than ever to take. For the PBS NewsHour, Paul Salmon
0: Okay, go ahead. Tell me why your generation doesn't want to work, okay? That's my point, point. and the immigrations are unskilled labor. well, war- more than happy work in the farms because that's where they're heading. So and the right canneries, now,
1: unemployment is at three point four, and that means, which you're, lying. Which means you're lying. Which means
0: you're lying. Why? You just set yourself up. I just gave you the reasons that the your generation is not working, and you will give me the Department of Labor statistic about unemployment, which is a lie. This Be- is the primary source. No, it isn't. It's Do a, you primary know what a primary lie. Source is? A primary. Can you tell law. me what
1: a primary source is?
0: Yes. Oh, any any government agency that puts out a news release to benefit the uh, the, uh, the you see, president. This is
1: what's so interesting to me is that you. You con- asked me for no, a prim- no, no, You bash my. You, me- you bash my background a lot. But you do not have any of the expertise in fact-checking, in reporting, in understanding. Information. I just gave you. No, the, no, no. You pulled I just up, gave you the PBS NewsHour a, news a liberal rag. And I was looking at the data. I was looking at the data, and it. They right just now, gave
0: you the data in the video.
1: They didn't mention eleven million in news jobs people. and no
0: and no employees. Um, there's nobody. They're quitting. Everybody. Nobody even applies for the job. Every industry is struggling. And I'm not criticizing your background, I'm, cri- I'm criticizing your age group. Background is different. You,
1: you've you criticized my background no. before as unemployable, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, yes, your your generation, it doesn't have the skills to be employed. They're, she's telling you. Now, of course, it was a restaurant that always has uh, a tendency to have drop, you know, people that don't want to work and people you know quitting in the middle of the shift. I get it. But I can go to uh, unemployment benefits if you like. Here we go.
2: And the worst of the pandemic continues, but the strength of it is not fully clear. And some businesses are having trouble hiring enough workers to reopen fully. In response, many states are ending pandemic unemployment programs to encourage people to get back to work. Over the next six weeks, half of states will end the extra $300 in weekly unemployment benefits that were set to run through Labor Day. We talked to unemployed workers and business The same tactic of unemployment
0: benefits that Obama used for eight straight years.
2: My name is Bill Eastwood, and
4: uh, I currently reside in Columbia, South Carolina. I relocated here four years ago for a job.
2: My name is Roberta Monteleone. I'm the managing partner of Milan
5: Catering and Event Design.
3: I am uh, David Jones. I'm the managing partner
2: of Blue Ridge Restaurant Group.
5: Well, I'm Lisa so Smallwood. I was contractor USDA. Then in September, no, August, they decide that they're not going to renew like the top three accountants or whatever.
4: My name's Jason Webb from uh, Huntington, West Virginia. My uh, business is uh, GD Ritzy's.
5: So when June twelfth comes, guess what? You won't get anything from unemployment at all. So it's like, okay, now what disaster is gonna hit now?
2: The unemployment is in Florida is two hundred and seventy-five dollars a week. That doesn't cover much in the way of bills.
5: Our politics, and I'm so sick and tired of it. Everybody's trying to make a point. But guess I just want there? my I money. I want my money, right money right now.
4: Three hundred dollars is you know, twelve hundred dollars a month. It 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 makes a difference. And I had to establish a financial runway back in the first quarter of twenty twenty. And um it extends that runway um, by, you know, 25, 30%. We do see that light at the end of the tunnel, and that was a good feeling to have. And then we ran into this hurdle of employees, trying to find employees. We couldn't get anybody. We're like, I couldn't get cousins or, you know, nephews or anybody to come in for a job. We've tripled the the hourly rates. We, were, we have everybody, every restaurant's doing signing bonuses. We're
7: doing all those things, and... And we are probably 70, 80 uh, employees short
8: right now. We would hire them all right now if, if if they showed up on our doorstep.
0: You know, it's you could give me primary sources all you want. These are facts on the ground. This is a small business tragedy. <laughs> so you
1: don't know what primary source means?
0: It means that you are lying.
1: <laughs> no, it means you don't understand research. Yeah, and uh-huh. you can't answer this very simple thing. Then you are not cut to re- do a research on the paper.
0: Yeah, uh huh. You,
1: you sure get a failing grade?
0: See, C C C. Because it's radio, I can. <laughs> I can expose his dirtbag lie because he uses what he calls primary sources that are not true. People are confessing testimony after testimony in their businesses. They have no reason to lie because if they don't got a job filled, they are hurting. Why? Because they're. Because
1: this is only the perspective and the concern for small business owners.
0: Like- oh, like if that isn't the most important thing on uh, on the table right now. No, it's not. Always. No. Number one job creator in the United States is the small business owner, and you think you're being so flippant. No, I'm You're being expecting flippant. the government to i mean just... flippant because
1: you don't care about the other perspective. You haven't looked at the mental health costs of people who are unemployed. You don't look at what happens to if these
0: people who can If they have and y- disabilities... It's
1: this typical, you know, small business idea You want, you want, idea video, you want me-
0: videos on disability, too? How it's skyrocketed with that little approach you've taken? The best antidote for the human mind is a job. And guess what? Half of the people who are depressed without a job were students who were denied school. And your primary sources back then were saying, we must keep kids out of school because they'll get sick and they'll take it home to their elderly parents or elderly are you grandparents. Are talking
1: about COVID now? This is something different.
0: I'm just giving you, you an example where no, primary, you're, you're primary, primary sources primary sources are lies. Primary sources are lies. You heard
1: it here folks. Primary, primary
0: sources. sources are lies. Okay? And he just ran What was your primary source by the way? Let the audience know. Uh where you were. That cl- was
1: the I believe Department of There
0: you go. Department of uh, Labor yep. Statistics.
1: Yep. Yeah, That's the, the problem. Bureau of Labor Statistics.
0: Yeah, of course. Of so, course. no, yeah,
1: but th- that's who would report on these things. Okay. I so just, that, that's where you would get this. I just reported you, you, otherwise. You, you, know, you, you got, like, a, you got a news report with a couple, like, handful of people on a Zoom call. Hey, by the way, by call, the way it was PBS, by the way. And, and you're like, wow, and that this, this proves it. This settles it. Five people talking rather than curated experts. okay let's do 60 minutes no 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 you're you're trying to run away you're trying
0: to run i'm away. not running away. Yeah, uh, running away you are I'm running away i'm trying to save my audience also, from you
7: people should know on the
2: already depleted workforce we've wondered how there can be so many open jobs when nearly every employer seems to be offering better pay benefits and even signing bonuses.
0: 60 Minutes, the you know it's job not a conservative think tank, okay. ...tells
2: us what has happened. Well over 20 million people quit their jobs in the second half of 2021. Some are calling it the big quit, others the great resignation. But who can explain why this is happening? Bill Whitaker reports he found the best place to look for real-time answers is the huge online job site linkedin which calls itself the world's largest professional network
8: the
3: story will continue in a moment
6: people have been living to work for a very long time and i think the pandemic brought that moment of reflection for everyone mm. what do i want to do what makes my heart sink And people are thinking, if not now, then when?
4: Karen Kimbrough is LinkedIn's chief economist. She has degrees from Stanford and Harvard and a Ph.D. from Oxford, used to work for the Federal Reserve, and now has a bird's eye view of the U.S. labor market.
6: We have this unique view of the data. We can see across millions of members and what they share with us, and we can see from employers... Millions of them that are posting jobs on our platform. Mm. There is one person hired every 15 seconds right now on LinkedIn.
4: But LinkedIn's data on who is leaving jobs is most compelling. Millions of baby boomers retiring early, but also millions of Gen Z workers, people in their teens and early 20s. Many more women than men. In all, the highest quit rate since the government started keeping track two
3: decades ago.
0: Well, they were getting ready to go into primary sources of the quit rate, and I wanted to appease Alejandro, who has something to say about the Koch brothers, because he keeps uh, on slanting. No, no,
1: because I said, P- I was like, well, first off, though, the Bernie Sanders in me would be like, PBS has actually been well known to be funded by, you know, the It's still public
0: co- broadcasting, for Christ's it, sake. It, it,
1: but it's still private. It's funded by private institutions. I did that to
0: appease the- you. I didn't give you a Fox News it, 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 uh, it, it's report. It's fine,
1: and I appreciate that. But I'm going to simply say that. But so what we have is um, a lot of these industries have been compromised. Is what I was going down. Particularly, um, we we then started to talk about you know how he gives back concerning his community, and that's great and fine. But the reality is, is that guys like the Kochs who infiltrate many forms of media, and I know because when I was in, um, uh,
0: you don't tell me you work for the Koch brothers and you quit. No. That would have been the best job of your entire life.
1: I was actually in um, college and I was doing a lot of research, and I had found out that they were actually the funders of most of it.
0: Okay, of it, it is what
1: libertarian propaganda.
0: Okay, and the two twins never got along politically. So how is that? How did that work out in the business?
1: I mean, it doesn't need to work out. The point is, is I don't that- know which
0: brother was libertarian, which one who was not. But, you know, what can I say? A lot of them, they, you know, the two brothers were known. One has passed away, by the way. So speaking to someone who's already passed away is kind of a slap. But anyway, uh, since I'm not really directing one brother over the other, uh, I do know that but the, the they were rea- anti-Trump. But, the,
1: but the reality is is that, like, people are still working two jobs People are Americans still work longer and harder hours than any other country. You can only other,
0: thank the Democratic Party. in any other country. Thank the Democrats who made life impossibly expensive. That's a fact. And their 11 filibuster-proof sentence since 1911 says so. I know that when we talk politics, I tend to go that route. And I'm guilty of talking about politics in generalities over 100 years when I know that politics changes, like right now. The Republicans are anti-war, but they sure tell hell were pro-war during the Bush and the attack on 9-11. So I know that they created a bunch of war, desire, that salivating at the mouth to drop bombs on people because they knocked down our buildings. But who can blame us? In this case, it's simply because a guy who sold out while he's been in government for 40-something years, the American people elect him like he says. He says that the election wasn't rigged and that he really got his shellagging. Trump has got to admit that now. Because no court in the land would even listen to his nonsense that I agree with. I believe that he never won popular vote. But I do believe that because of Joe Biden's presidency, everything he's talking about is true. People are holding two and three jobs.
1: I mean, uh, small government guys um, are the ones who are going to get screwed this upcoming primary
0: Oh, that, we're that, getting that, screwed right now. We're small government. Because you know who abandoned you? Huh? It's Trump. Nobody's abandoned Trump, us. Trump, the government is, now, is not Trump smaller. Trump
1: is now defending um, Social Security and Medicare.
0: And
1: okay. And given him that and Biden, that's hey, going I'm to not, be... This. I'm
0: in a very small camp that believes that the government should have never retired people. But... It was a plan that ran amok. It was said so. We go to YouTube channel of the 1930s that are now regenerated in digital format. I will find you videos of FDR saying, and the Republicans say, how do we pay for it? (laughs) And he's got a cigarette in his mouth with his little tipperello. What's that little filter they use with a cigarette in the tip? And he's laughing at all of us as it comes true 65 years later. It's a giant Ponzi scheme. Not only did he it. He won,
1: saved he, the country. Yeah, sure. He, he he made the United States a Nazi global Germany farming. saved
0: the country. They invaded Poland. Okay. Jesus <laughs> Louise. It's the most
1: okay. e- and United States became a beacon of prosperity and military industrial
0: complex from that moment on. You know what yeah. you know what was the the biggest factor of war machine? This very day,
1: I would say the Vietnam War was really when that the war really got no, that became really
0: got, that became anti establishment.
1: No, 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 culturally, culturally, but politically. See, this is the mistake that liberals and conservatives make no. all the time is that liberals and conservatives will make culture wars and they will fight over little things when they miss what gets institutionalized.
0: One thing that I must say when you talk about culture wars, only the left is on a culture war.
1: Oh, that's not true at all.
0: We're on a religious war, perhaps, but not on a cultural war. Then that's war. a cultural war. We just want to go back to what our founders said was necessary for us to sustain ourselves. High reproductive rates, high business performance, prosperity, and now in modern times that they couldn't possibly have predicted, energy independence. If you want to take all these businesses back... So that are you going are, to
1: support the Green New Deal? I will not. Then you don't support energy independence? No plain I, and simple plain and simple you know why i because, don't you know, here's the thing we can still we're, we can diminish the amount of oil we're drilling for you're not cuz i'm not a crazy person i'm going to acknowledge that we still need to drill however the primary thing that we can do to really w- w- bend ourselves off our international addiction to oil is start going into different sectors of energy and that, everybody that, that very sim-
0: everybody who who toots that horn are wrong I have a solar panel right now installed on my golf cart and then I you're can't doing even
1: exactly what I'm saying and I
0: can't even get the damn golf cart to cross Crandon Boulevard because it doesn't charge the battery. I still got to charge the battery because the the, the, the the amount of space is only limited to the roof of my golf cart, meaning it's my roof of my golf cart. And is not enough to power the, the six batteries well, underneath luckily, me?
1: the um, solar is not the only thing we need to do. And the wind, luckily, the and whole, wind sucks, l- l- too. Luckily, the whole world is not running ask off your Finland, golf cart. Ask Finland,
0: ask Denmark, and ask Britain, who have got huge solar farms in the middle of their very windy uh, transatlantic ocean waves. And all those coastal towns pay more in electricity because of the damn wind farms. And they're paying for the principal balance on the building of the wind farms. And now we also know that was probably not reported to us, but it was probably reported over there, the sonar damaging, the sonar uh, imaging uh, studies that have to be done for these wind farms is killing the whales that they also fought so hard for in the 70s and 80s with Greenpeace. That's perfect example of political Bipolarity.
1: So, your solution is just not to do anything.
0: My solution is is to drill, baby, drill. This sounds like natural gas. This sounds like fracking.
1: This sounds like the attitude of losers. Yeah, it's we are losing. Who's the the biggest loser in the world? Bernie Sanders. It's going to be hard to win.
0: Millionaire Bernie Sanders. You know,
1: we can work out and we can try to get strong for this competition, but you're going to get injured if you push yourself.
0: Oh, come on. That's exactly
1: your argument. Yeah, it is. I, I've already contested multiple times that there are going I to be externalities you. and there are going to have to be things we need to do. I man, you are flipping these, about no, everything no, no, no. that's
0: wrong about your philosophy. No, I'm because you know what's the biggest problem you with your philosophy? No, you
1: acknowledge your, you don't acknowledge any problems that your worldview entails. You don't. I do. That's the difference. Yeah, war is I'm going to tell you how the you things, have a
0: case for war because people innocent people die in war, but if I don't go to war. Some, somebody's yeah, going to go to you, war you against just want,
1: me. You just want other people to make kids no, for yeah. you so they get drafted into the Army and their legs get blown up. So you don't
0: have to go through for that. You're right. Yeah, that, That's so tacky, man. I already have the, the amount of kids. I wish I had more, but I'm divorced. So our chances are I would not have the third one with the third woman. But if I do, I'll let you know. But, I, you know, we need to have more than two kids per mom and dad. Because you need to have two kids just per fertile woman to sustain a society and not be dependent on disastrous countries abroad. Because you have no idea what the motivations are of an immigrant. He might come just oh, to yeah. suck from the welfare rules. It's he might really. come. They, they, he they, might come. That's and-
1: actually untrue. Immigrants take less Give welfare Give me a primary source Go to your primary source Gladly, I'll get right back to you on that Go back Thank to the Department it's of it's Labor it, it, Yeah, I'm, I'm glad You're learning, you're learning I'm teaching you what? I'm teaching you I'm so I'm so proud of you
0: I'm a liberal I'm
1: li- so proud of you
0: the, a liberal, oh, oh, Mr. You. Liberal Arts College here Let's go I, here. I
1: love it Facts are liberal You're right Facts are stubborn things well, Facts huh? are liberal You're right yeah. the Reality has a liberal bias As, as they used to Smugly yeah, say in the 2000s
0: Yeah, the facts about wind farms The facts about solar The biggest Argument I have against the Green New Deal is that the grotesque size and uh, expansive nature of rare earth mineral mines. It's gross what it does to the environment where the mine's located. The slavery it creates in, in Africa to get these rare earth metals. And just for one car battery, you know, it's miles of miles of... Searching for the metals, and all they can do is dig it up. It's just a big giant hole, and all. The- so
1: the Cato Institute.
0: Okay, I'll listen to that. The, the
1: Cato's Cato- my homies. Um, All immigrants consume thirty-nine percent fewer welfare benefits in rel- relative to all natives.
0: Do they include the illegal population among the?
1: Largely because they're less able to get social security.
0: Okay, so. You just made my case for me.
1: Not really. It's a little bit complicated.
0: Ah! It just blew your whole thing out of the. No, See how he stepped no. on himself?
1: No. Oh, I we th- go back to social I don't security. Think, I don't think there's a bad thing about. No, no, I that? don't think there's a bad thing about social security. But you said I that do. they take more welfare, I which do. is just not true. Yeah, because so that, that we we've
0: for your argument to work, you have to extract no, that no. they can't get social security benefits, which they would don't. be welfare. They
1: don't. So they don't get that welfare. Oh, you welfare. don't call it
0: welfare because we pay into it and they pay us back. And I welfare. don't think
1: there's a bad thing with welfare.
0: It's pon- it's a Ponzi scheme, and it's got half of the government spending money on it, and we are broke. Not only are we broke, but we have to bond our way out of absolute financial oblivion, which is impossible. It's not going to happen. And guess what? This is the biggest problem we have in our society. And you can hear it here only on WSQF Blink Radio, WSQFRadio.com live streamed here on the young and old show. We're almost at six o'clock. Not really true because we're like seven minutes to six. But the biggest problem we have in our society is we're the only society where 38 to almost 40, it'll probably be 40 now by the time Biden's done, of the $22 trillion GDP is government spending of some sort or another. In other words, government ecosystem, which means everybody wants it inefficient, and we're never going to have a small government, no matter how much. He accuses me of being on the small government team. It just hasn't happened. It's never happened. It won't ever happen.
1: Because it's impossible. Small government cannot function.
0: That's right. Cannot function. That's right. They can't function. Yeah, we need to just rip us off and go broke. And big government bankrupts all these countries, including ours. We're bankrupt. We're as bankrupt as it gets. The only thing we can do is go back to war to make sure you use the dollar as a world currency. And if you don't, we will bomb you. That's been the story. Plain and simple.
1: I really respect that you admit it, though. I really expected that you admit it because what would a lot become, of What
0: will become of the world? I won't be around, but you might be when the United States is no longer the reserve currency. What's going to become of the world? You're going to be having uh, tizzy fits because none of your friends are going to have the AR-15. There's riots in the streets. You can't even go get a, uh, you know, Doritos at 7-Eleven. Because the China man man says, you know what? I took away your fork and knife, and now I'm taking away your Doritos. That's what's going to happen. I was actually the final line in one of my guest commentaries here in Keebis Game back in the day, way before Blink Radio existed. I said, if you guys continue with this dilapidated, distraught, dysfunctional public school system, there will be one day where China will show its ugly head, stop paying your bills, stop. Uh, paying government debt, Americans no longer get their government bonds paid back, social security checks bounce, and you find out that Chinese have taken your fork and, li- and knife Doritos away. are
1: actually made in California.
0: Yeah. All by a bunch of Mexican immigrants. Yeah. Yeah. What's up? Uh, okay, here we go. Where do you plank?
6: Level. The number of Americans quitting their job is higher than ever.
1: Higher than ever.
6: Higher than ever.
3: Do the data tell you why?
6: We can see what sectors people are quitting: retail sectors and hospitality sectors. It may not just be worth it for some folks, and so in some cases, people are quitting and they're not yet returning. They're taking a break.
0: You hear that? They get you're just taking a break. You know what I mean? What the hell? I said this to, uh, I said this to someone just yesterday and I, I, I would like to uh, reiterate that as soon as this working class radio socialist finishes proofreading my book for like the 10th different person to do that I'm trying to reduce its size from 399 to now around 270 one of the things I, I say and it's uh, you can go to the the fiscals tab on wsqfradio.com the whole internet version of the book is there but one of the things I say about civil rights, human rights and our rights aren't really rights at all They actually are in true sense of the word obligations to fight to demand them you don't automatically get the right to do things you have to fight to have the right to do things Anybody who assumes that they're just going to give you something, even if the law says so, and you don't fight for it, you ain't getting it. Plain and simple. I would agree to that. Okay. I so, would agree
1: completely with that.
0: there's one of the most important things in life, in fact, all of the most important things in life happen in your absence. You remember reading that in the book? Yes. yes. And guess what? That's a very novel idea because none of you guys agree with me out there in Radio Land. If the most important things in your life happen in your absence, what makes you think you have rights? Your parents, mom and dad, if you disagree with me, ask your mom and dad, did they ask you permission to make you? And yet it's the most important decision in your life. If you debate it, there's the finality of it. But I'll go... I mean,
1: here's the thing. Here's where I agree with that sentiment. Um... Is really that it's political willpower is what makes things real.
0: We were looking on TV and a horse is doing snow angels with its owner. Pretty cool. All right. Sorry.
1: I I agree that political willpower is what makes things like the law. It's what kind of defines the attitude of the era is how much effort people are willing to put into an idea or to a concept.
0: Or desire to... To feed themselves and employ people. Yeah,
1: I would say like... Which is
0: sacred above all other things, including your feelings and transgender feelings and unemployed feelings and mentally ill feelings. I would
1: say all of those things are connected, even the... Make sure the
0: guy down the street can hire more people. Don't make life difficult for him.
1: That's a feeling too, though. That's a feeling too. No, it's an because
0: aspiration. No, no, no. It's, it's an obligation. It's a
1: feeling, but that obligation, all of that stuff. Okay, is so still uh, a here feeling. he goes. Back to
0: no, your flippant. No, 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 no. All right, no, relative. No. Yeah, it is a feeling. I, oh, I, I,
1: I'm just not letting you define this I as I picked object- my
0: nose. That's a feeling, you know what yeah, I mean? It is. It is. I'm
1: okay. just not letting you define your arbitrary feelings as more objective than these other things. Because that's the purpose of these conversations.
0: Absolutely. That's why we have you here on Bullying Radio, where I think Because that's once. the purpose
1: of these conversations, is to go through and find out what feelings are more valid. Because here's the thing. These are all feelings that we're, after looking at the facts, we go to our feelings and we're like, well, what should be policy?
0: It's definitely not democratic policy. That's my answer.
1: But because here's the thing. Because you're still, you're working on that same wavelength. That you're claiming to criticize, because here's the thing: we all do. No one's above this.
0: I don't necessarily agree with you. I don't think you can honestly say that the Democratic Party and its all its fruition, as much as they claim to defend people, they don't really mean it because they wouldn't bankrupt the government in order to <laughs> help people, and they bankrupt but the that, government. That, that, that's... <laughs> Guess what? One day oh goodness, it's like, the Social Security check. Hold on, check. hold on.
1: Both Democrats and Republicans always vote to increase the debt ceiling every single time the military. What happened is in the last touch. time? What so happened? This is so disingenuous because then both parties are not. What happens? Both parties are both guilty of this. Okay. So because here's the I'll thing. I'll grant and you And now that. the Republican Party, thanks to Trump. Thank you, Trump. You have won this battle for us. Is that now you guys aren't going to be touching Social Security? Anymore.
0: Yes. You're, 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 you're angel. You're, you're angel, but guess what? That also means that Trump 2024, you know what I mean? So hold your hat. Be careful it's, what you wish for.
1: Some angels come from hell, too. Woo!
0: In fact, uh, in fact, many do. <laughs> now, that's a perfect segue to the great philosophers and the great donators, not philosophers, donators of, of the Gilded Age. And uh, I'm going to play that. And as much as everybody called them the robber barons, they they left such an exorbitant amount of money to charity that our country is is benefiting from it big time. And they probably did it for tax purposes.
1: What's really interesting is that um, a lot of the libertarian types, like Alex Jones, really placed um, the Rockefeller families in particular um, and other of these billionaire families as, like, evil puppet string masters when really they were kind of the byproduct and the funders of the View, which is interesting.
0: Uh, yeah, if I would to listen to Alex Jones, I believe that uh, I don't really know who, who he is, but uh, I'll let you just rant forever about it because... Folks, welcome to
1: Blink Radio. I, I'm here leading the fight against the globalists, capitalists. My name's Alex.
0: All right, let's prep this with the beginnings of the Industrial Revolution so that he understands how important job creators are.
9: Here we go. God bless. Industrial Revolution, 18th to 19th century. The economic developments of the 1800s saw the development of agrarian and handicraft economies in Europe and America transform into industrial urbanized ones. The term to describe this phenomenon would be known as the Industrial Revolution and was first used by French writers but made popular by English economic historian Arnold Toynbee. The Industrial Revolution was underpinned by the Agricultural Revolution. From the mid-18th century to the mid-19th century, agricultural production increased significantly. The huge increase in food output supported the expansion and sustained a large population and boosted trade. The increased use of machines over human or animal power in farming also meant that less farm workers were needed and they could leave the land to industrial towns. Better metals and richer fuel also contributed to industrialization by creating the steam engine an integral machine to industrialization which powered factories, locomotives and ships. The new steam engines used coal and iron, both in their construction and as fuel, increasing demand for these resources. Roads, canals and railways changed Britain dramatically, connecting Britain and allowing goods to be sent over long distances. Visually, the revolution was clear in the new industrial towns, with smoking factories dominating the skyline. The cities were horrible to live in, overcrowded and dirty with dangerous conditions in the factories and strict rules and punishments. The Industrial Revolution saw mechanization in factories of the textile industry, which was previously manufactured in the home, creating the term cottage industry. Now, production could be increased on a large scale because of new inventions such as the spinning mule and the power loom. The iron industry developed with Henry Bessemer's inexpensive process for mass producing steel. Iron and steel were key materials for constructing the tools and machinery, steam engines, and ships needed for the industrial progress. Industrial labour opportunities drew people to the cities from the countryside, to such an extent that in 1750, only 15% of the population of Britain lived in towns. By 1850, over 50% of the entire population of Great Britain lived in either a town or a city, and by 1900, it was 85%. London had 4.5 million people, Glasgow 760,000, Liverpool 685,000 and Manchester and Birmingham 500,000. Great Britain was the birthplace of the Industrial Revolution and was the only mature industrial economy for a long time. Historians have speculated that this was because, as an island, there was relative peace and stability for Britain compared to mainland Europe. Rather than spending on a large defensive standing army, capital could be spent on other ventures and there was confidence for investors. Native resources were also abundant and readily available for initial technological developments and inventions. Engineers and inventors were also respected and encouraged in British society and were backed by wealthy patrons. A powerful navy and an empire bringing in vast wealth from its colonies also contributed to the catalyst for industrialization before others. Nevertheless, Germany, France, Switzerland, Belgium, and the United States soon emulated Britain's industrial change. And by 1900, Britain would no longer be at the top, with the United States as the world's leading industrial nation in the 20th century.
0: (laughs) That's just 101 kind of stuff. I started with Britain. What's so important is the fact that government doesn't do bumpkiss. All he can do is keep the streets safe. Uphold a court system so that nobody takes advantage of others, which I'm sure you're thrilled about. Non-political judges, which obviously I'm not uh, very thrilled about because I see the courts turning back their back on free market elections. I also see the playing with the laws, which is... Uh, a reminder of the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania allowing the election in Pennsylvania to go to is an example. But you realize the number one most important issue for government is to make sure industry prevails and make sure that generations after generations after generations you know, it's interesting. benefit from each other's success. Like I, as a first generation immigrant American, because I was born here, my parents were immigrants, so I'm first generation. The system had to allow me to benefit from the hard work of my descendants, being my my father. And if the system doesn't allow me to maintain the the stuff that we already have, so that my kids can also benefit, the government of the United States has failed miserably in upper mobility, which is all that government is there for, to assure an even playing field so that we can all do better than our parents. Plain and simple. Have at it.
1: I mean, first off, you sound like you said the government does a lot of things as it is. Um, and that's kind of the important point is that <coughs> we all act through government. It's just very simple. That no! We do. Even the industrialists. Even government cats.
0: acts through us. No! You are got it backwards. God. Holy moly. It's a moly. distinction
1: without a difference. No, it
0: isn't. You're yeah, it completely is. bipolar, completely upside down. Okay. It's a government is a reflection of its people who bestows it with power. Government has nothing, produces nothing, and is nothing without the consent of the governed. Get it straight. Get it right from here on in, because it's your world. It's your world.
1: It's just not. That's not reflective of the facts. I mean, who gives um, the Federal Reserve permission or duties to print money?
0: Who tells They they do. Who's day? <laughs> the Federal Reserve and it's a private corporation.
1: It is a private corporation. And they, but yeah. the government usually tells them we need a new more nah. money right now.
0: Yeah. No. Well, the government will say we owe money, so pay up, print it please. Yes, you're right. Government owns nothing, has no money. There's nothing in Fort Knox, nothing, zero. There isn't one single gold billion. There are empty spaces called Fort nothing for knots knots not knocks knots because they're just a big string tied up in knots of nothing burgers that's what the whole definition behind fiat currency is we only print money when it's owed
1: i mean here's the thing printing money is um better than the alternatives which was um i remember when i was in libertarian circles they always wanted to go back to the gold standard which was all sorts of ridiculous.
0: Uh, you know, the the issue with the gold standard was an issue of mining. We yeah, could, we part- couldn't we couldn't make uh we couldn't mine enough gold and keep it uh to at the same pace as in the industrial revolution. But by that time was in the seventies when Morton, uh, Mort, uh, what was Mort? Uh, what was his name again? Uh. Why am I having mean, senior moment? John Fetterman moment. Oh, my God. Ah. Ah. And also... Uh, Morton... Was- uh, I, mean, uh, I forgot the guy's name. Uh, little the l- economic advisor under Nixon who convinced Nixon that, hey, it won't be that bad. Get off the gold standard. What was his name again? Friedman. Morton Friedman. Morton Friedman. Yes. Maybe, yeah. I've been saved from dementia for now.
1: But continue. Nixon overall seemed like he came up with some pretty good ideas for being a pretty messed up person.
0: Well, he definitely lost a lot of elections before he won them, that's for sure. Uh, I guess, I guess that's just...
1: Have you listened to the tapes?
0: You know, I can honestly say I have not listened to all the tapes. What
1: really gets me is that he said he really related to Archie Bunker.
0: Yeah, he was a Republican in in the movie. But not I just mean, like a Republican,
1: but not just like a Republican. But the fact that like the president of the United States is good old American was white was trash, like, re- relating to like this overbewildered man.
0: Oh, speaking of, here's a perfect uh, segue to Archie Bunker. You know that Rob Reiner is a big you know big troll, big Trojan horse on the internet in support of Joe Biden, right? And he wants. You know, Trump in jail so bad he can't handle it that he's not in jail yet. And he's running for president. He's freaking out. And then someone goes, wait a second, you're on Epstein's travel log. And all of a sudden he goes fade to black for the last three days. Meanwhile, I think his last post or his buddy's post or the people who he supports and they support him. They, they're like a team of, i but I can gather four or five of them, but there are probably 500 of them who troll each other and, and build a massive war chest of followers and uh, people who hate Trump and hate Republicans and we're all freakazoids. And it's just this grotesque amount of trolling going on on the Internet. And, you know, they're not even listening to your replies. They don't react, you know.
1: <laughs> people are too prideful on the Internet, and they've realized it after a point. There okay. was early on a very interesting Internet culture where people really pretended to be super-duper interested, um, like, the the term is debate lord, which I find kind of dumb, but people are really interested. Say that again? Uh, I've never heard that before. Debate lord.
0: Debate lord is what, a person who starts a thread? or Like, is, like
1: people who want to go back and forth about ideas. It's kind of like a pejorative from people who didn't feel like they were really intellectually up to task by taking on other people's ideas. Or the
0: people around them don't listen to them, so they go on social media to be listened to.
1: Yeah, there's a bit of that. Um, what you really find, though, is that given the ways that followers work, there's no reason to ever concede ground on an issue because that's against your brand. Yeah. So people will never concede ground on these stuff. Well, and- you know
0: when they do, they get off the platform. All the, all the Russia collusion people, I can't find them anywhere on the internet. And I try. I try to bait them to, to reply. The Where are you guys? The Krausenstein
1: brothers are still on. Who? The Krausenstein brothers
0: the Krausestein bro oh the
1: oh you don't know about the Krausestein brothers? oh please tell they us they were the funniest uh <laughs> yeah. so they were like these two i forget what they were but like they were these two people who just suddenly came out of nowhere who were emphatically super pro um
0: do they Taylor. do video or audio that we can play to the audience or no
1: um here but like they were they had
0: their own social media they were a
1: legendary twitter account back in the day and
0: what was really funny about them
1: is that these guys were like the Super Bowl, I'm rooting for, you know, Mueller, go get him. And it's like.
0: Oh, so it was like uh, satire.
1: No, they were for, were for real. But like what was really, um, a lot of people thought they were um, kind of grifters. Like they just kind of jumped on the bandwagon. Like, well, you know, I mean,
0: what's unfortunate about that example you just gave is that when Trump did stand up at the Super Bowl or in any football game, he got standing ovations. Everybody was. He su-
1: got booed recently. Yeah, where? I, I can pick that up, but I remember. Where I'm not boot, denying. I'm just boot, asking um, you where. I think it was um, before his un- um, before he was unelected. Um, let me get that to you. Drum
0: booed uh, before he was a uh, uh, president or after, or uh, while he was president. Oh, while he was president. Oh, yeah, your crowd, <laughs>
1: your crowd. It was. Um, oh, it was at the World Series. Um,
0: People oh, New were, York.
1: Yeah, they were changing. No, no, where
0: was it at? Where was it at? I'm saying.
1: It's, it's a good, It's an important detail. It's an important detail. Yeah, but I, I'm totally, I think it
0: was a MEC game. Who was in the World Series recently while he was president? It was in D.C. Ah, it was the Nationals World yeah, Series. Yeah, 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 so. They hated his guts. <laughs> well, everybody there in D.C. and Northern Virginia and Southern Maryland, that whole crop of people is really divested and invested in that 38% of the $22 trillion economy. The government but, but, ecosystem equates to the third-largest economy in the world by itself. I stand on that. Research it however you want, but you're going to find it difficult to get to the number. 38% of a 22 trillion U.S. economy is government-related, either in ownership of assets or disbursements to pay for the asset, meaning buildings, payroll, light, electricity bills uh, maintaining the national parks the tanks, the planes, the air, the aircraft carriers, all the maintenance for all those things plus their value plus that I don't even count what's under the ground that hasn't been tapped yet in, in oil independence is 38% of 22 trillion annually to the math, it's larger than the entire economy of Japan, which puts us in third place and that's probably the gist of the entire book, The Fiscals. So, I'm I, now. I guess f-
1: the funniest part to me, I was about to say about the Krausenstein brothers. Yeah, it's like they were they were kind of these like re- hashtag resistance people. You to- think I
0: could find them on YouTube if I did?
1: You could find them on Google or they. they I'm just looking up another Twitter account was banned. Why don't you but go they, to YouTube
0: they, and tell me if you find something so yeah, I but can they play? Were it.
1: Remember, they were
0: jacked. Remember, on the jacked. radio, these
1: guys were like super freaking built. They were oh,
0: like Dumb and Dumber.
1: Like, huge hey,
0: mo- they speak to like that like I don't
1: know if dumb and dumber were jack though
0: no they weren't they were just ugly but i
1: was saying like these guys were jack
0: Peavis and Butthead. so it was huh?
1: so funny like cuz they were like these two really buff guys who were
0: too But would you check to see if they have any youtube uh, audio so we can play for the audience? I don't even know how to pr- I don't even know how to spell that last name that's that's difficult something with a steen in it like that yeah. my-, my god that's really tough in the meantime I'm gonna go back to my. Here, I found it. Okay, go There's for it.
1: On Vice. Former lawyer
4: and right-hand man was sentenced to three years in prison today for tax evasion, lying to Congress, and breaking campaign finance laws. Prosecutors have also reached a deal with American Media Inc., owners of the National Enquirer. They admit to paying $150,000 to suppress a story on one of Trump's alleged figures, and are now cooperating with investigators.
0: Are you censoring us? No. Between no. Michael
4: Cohen's sentencing and AMI's immunity agreement, today was a very bad day for Donald Trump. The implications are massive, nuanced, and far-reaching.
7: It's time for some serious journalism. Also, tweets. It's time for tweets. So I posted the story. I, I didn't really give much commentary. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. That's where Ed and Brian Krasenstein come in. So that's 30 30- seconds. I think it's a pretty big, big moment. I, I already tweeted with Hill Porter mm-hmm. a few seconds ago. So.
4: Ed and Brian are twin brothers who do everything
7: together. They work together. Pone was sentenced to 36 months. They work out together.
1: <laughs> As I said, they're Jack. They're both in the jacked.
4: <laughs> neighborhood. And since late 2016, together they have become the masters of the so-called hashtag resistance tweet. Tweets that goad Trump suggest russia is behind everything and call for the president's impeachment multiple times a day every day all with plenty of exclamation points i think the tweet that i have seen that for me defines your account is or i think it was you brian had a tweet that was just said impeach trump like nine times in a row i
7: don't remember i mean it's it's very possible (laughs) i tweeted that (laughs) sounds like brian what does that that,
4: what does that do what does that add to the conversation to have?
7: I just think that it's just kind of throwing it out there that this guy should be impeached. I I mean, that doesn't add anything in particular to the conversation besides just putting it out there and letting people retweet that they think Trump should be impeached. We have have a lot of tweets that are just baloney. I mean, there's a lot of tweets we make that basically are pointless. The Krasnsteins don't care much about policy. They tweet exclusively about Trump's
4: corruption and his attacks on minorities and women. And it's resonating. They have a combined 1.4
7: million followers... I just kind of wanted to get the story out there as soon as I could it's been retweeted 46 times and liked 175 times and unlike lots of hashtag resistance figures
4: they're not ideologically
7: hardcore if you're a Trump supporter I'm not gonna think any differently of you yeah you know, like, I, I might disagree how you I think but but you think it your way for a reason I have friends and family that have those opinions and um, I totally respect that I'd say half of our friends down here in Florida are Trump supporters hey guys we're live. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Before they
4: were political internet guys, the Krasensteins were just internet. You know, those guys who just somehow make money from the internet.
7: I, I think we always tried to jump on n- new niches. So we did virtual reality. We had some.
1: So, so you can kind of see, like, they were kind of really hyperbolic posters. They were very kind of, you know, bandwagon chasers. And they managed to. Be a very loud, weird, interesting group of people who made themselves known during the hashtag resistance days, which were awful.
0: You ended your commentary with hashtag resistance, giving it authority and principle.
1: Oh, no, I couldn't stand the hashtag resistance people. They were the most insufferable Washington weenie types. And uh, I'm more common with guys like you than them ideologically. ideologically. Oh, wait a second,
0: wait a second. Is, that, is, that a moment? is that a moment? Is that like the moment of the show, or what? Yes, more in common with me? Wait a second. This is a guy who grew up in D.C. with all the weenies in D.C. Jesus, Louise, I've come to an impasse. I don't know what to do with myself. He's an ally. He's not in opposition to everything I'm saying. Well,
1: I, I stand in opposition kind of against what I see as a very super credentialist culture that wants, like, the Washington's job, and more or less what I've seen, is to hand out everything to experts, whether it's in, like, the private sector or the public sector. Washington really prides itself on the best and the brightest.
0: Meeting your primary sources. That's my point.
1: No, no, the primary sources are important. Gotcha. Because, no, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain why. It's a distinct, it, it's... Um, yeah, how you distinguish that? It's an important that. factor. Because I want to get primary sources to more people. I want to educate more people. Well, to I be, don't
0: use Washington I Department want more, of I want more Labor. People,
1: I want more people to be educated in Or the Congressional Budget Office, be, CBO. I want more people to be partaking in democracy. You're absolutely right. And I realize the challenge that lies ahead in front of me is that for a very long time, Washington and, you know, their allies in the private and public sector... Do a paternalistic attitude when it comes to running the country. Where it's this is not for you, you aren't educated enough, you don't have the background enough, this doesn't concern you. That is the attitude that I rally against. And even when I see a right wing loon such as yourself
0: Oh my Lord I see a guy who You stole that from from O'Reilly, didn't you? Maybe, he's, maybe
1: he, he, he was used, saying left wing loons. Yeah, yeah
0: left wing loons.
1: I, I should have called you a pinhead. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes, pinhead. I'm a pin dropper. I used to use that all the time with my kids. But well, like, I
1: see a guy don't li- be a
0: pin dropper.
1: I see a guy like you, and I'm like, oh, he's cobbled together a worldview that he's trying to, to emulate. That he's trying to establish some sort of political autonomy for himself, and that's what I admire, and that's why I'm a part of this show because that's the value that I do agree with, and that. For me, my socialism or my social democracy is about people being able to take the stand, using the rights that the government has to their advantage.
0: Government does not have rights. They have obligations to the people that they are failing at miserably.
1: Those are rights that we have to use against power. When you say my constitutional rights have been violated...
0: Go that, fight for them as that, an obligation. That,
1: that's a social contract, because here's the thing. It's,
0: it's just, not a social contract. It social it's co- it's the in the Constitution. constitution. The co- the, the, the it's co- in the Constitution. The is Constitution written.
1: is the social construct.
0: No, the, you know what the... Yes, co- it is. I'll and give you a perfect pre- example. Yes. A social contract... You're agreeing
1: with me and you don't even no. know it. Yes, you are. No. You're agreeing with me and you I'll don't give even know you,
0: I'll give you this scenario if you're willing to agree with me. A social construct... Is a per- Here's the perfect example of a social construct that is not in the Constitution, which is the virtuous standing that there is to be a separation between church from state, not of state, church and state, no, church from state, also in the fiscals. We have a separation assumed, not written in any of our founding documents, it's not in the Constitution the Bill of Rights, or the Declaration of Independence. But there was a letter by Thomas Jefferson to, I believe it was the Baptist Church or social something I church. I don't think it was Baptists. I don't think so either. It, I can't remember the Presbyterians or something. I, I think
1: it was Presbyterians, but I'm going to double check. It's called the Wall of Separations. We yeah, and him. it was
0: supposed to be... It was uh, supposed to be permeable. It was supposed to be organic, meaning a hedge, a green, oh, creepy, not a wall.
1: It, it was Baptist. How
0: about that?
1: It was Baptist. A
0: veteran, uh, a, a, a veteran moment a veteran was vic- not to be. The it was a favorite, a he-
1: yeah, because you won. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, you won that one. So, it so is that's a, a social
0: moment. construct that we all agree mm-hmm. that government cannot no, 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 support the founding existence and maintenance of a national church. In any forms that also applies to the states, but we are never to regulate in any way or form, regardless of what you think. It's worship of faith, all faiths.
1: I would disagree with none of that.
0: Wow, I'm not going to give you a standing ovation on that because it was kind of. Bu- <laughs> I would
1: disagree with none of that. That that that's what keeps the. Okay, straight. but
0: that's the separation between that's a distinguishing intellectual distinction between social contract and it being written as a right in the Constitution. That's all. Constitution, my, that's my point. No, no,
1: no. The Constitution is a social contract. Like, that's the idea. It's that we are all these states that have signed on to the Constitution that gives us certain inalienable rights, so on and so on. And Bestowed we, by we,
0: God, we, not by man, not by, by government. By nature's God. By the, nature's God. Whoever, the Constitution
1: says nature's however,
0: God. However you choose, but not by government. As long as you understand that.
1: But it, it's coming from the government. It's coming it's not, from the... Because man. that's what we appeal to. I just told when you... you to court, I just told you... You to cannot co- say that in this show. Because it's
0: not true. When you go it to court... It doesn't come from the... When you go
1: to court... Is God there? Or is... He the, is. Or is the jury there? Or is the judge no. there?
0: Or is God there? is and there. Then, are you
1: in a government God, building? Are uh, you in a building with God? What does
0: it say behind the judge? Here we seek the truth by God. In other words, everybody's moral code... Whatever that is, sits as a jury to judge its peer, like the other day. We
1: are—you're right. We are a government of our peers.
0: We are a government of our peers. Yes, we're not a government of gods. You know, yeah, we're not a, a bunch of astrologists. No, we are people. Yes. Oh God, I have a with really a, bad joke. Go for it.
1: <laughs> if millennial women took over, we would be. Wow.
0: That's not that's not a joke. I don't even find it funny
1: because that that's I imagine below your dating pole.
0: I I would I I would agree. <laughs> In fact, to the point to the point that I will have to ask you tell your audience that little snarky laughter of yours. Explain it to. Uh,
1: no, um, it, it's like a big thing that um, with a lot of girls and who are millennials and Zoomers that they're really into astrology that they they really they they're really really super into the zodiac thing. I remember um I was dating one girl and I had to get my birth certificate because she wanted the time that I was born to know what stars were out.
0: Oh. Whew. Well, you know, there's something to be said about a lot uh the paparazzi fates were fates that are a uh, very formidable face in terms of the passage of time but they become very popular in terms of fancy in its practice and worship. And uh, I think we talked about this in our last show, the idea behind meditation being positive for for every individual who meditates and to relieve stress and relax and seek comfort in the then and now, right now, the moment, and mixing it with a faith that is very complex— that is, I guess, the, could I say the paternal father of meditation would be Buddhism? Or am I wrong I think to it, say? Predates him. It, it predates them. Um, it predates.
1: You study the history of Buddhism and you kind of get, um, you get what's kind of a workable way because, um, it's, they call this, actually there's a word for it, it's called the middle path. Um, because before, according to the myth of the Buddha. Um, there were many different sects. There were ritualists and there were aesthetics, if I'm saying that properly, which are people who are starving themselves and then people who are...
0: You mean compl- the fast,
1: The fasting. Okay. Like, to the point, like, people in India still do it. You can look them up and they look like they look like become tiny little skeletons. Like, they get super-duper into it.
0: Well, you know, among us Catholics, uh, we are asked yeah. that we have deep religious convictions about a specific... Uh item or, or idea we're praying about, we are to fast during the prayer at least the 24 hours. In our case, that I can remember, in groups, we we prayed heavily 24 hours while fasting for uh, a fellow uh, parishioner's uh, cancer to go into remission. And we believed that it, it worked. And he he lived another six. There, months. There's
1: got to be some sort of practice. If it's there's only one religion that I think is aligned with the Great Satan, it would have to be um, evangelical Protestantism. Is the only really? one that I would say. Yeah. yeah because... Why didn't you
0: say? Why, <laughs> why didn't you really upset me and, and accuse me of something? Uh, oh no no
1: no no the the so... Catholics we you guys actually have some sort of like honor and duty bound and shame. Well, we
0: are the church. That's yeah it. yeah.
1: But like when everybody I, I, else is in protest. What, what I've really seen with pro, like you know evangelical Protestantism is that like remember Megan McCain, John McCain's daughter? Yes. She wrote a book um, that's called like America, You Sexy Beast or something, and she writes about how like her spiritual journey has just been like her going from place to place looking at whatever she can to help her right and she talks about the time when
0: she look when you seen look like other faiths or yeah other
1: faiths okay. and she talks about the fact that like she tried voodoo and it helped her and then she starts saying like then i talked to jesus and jesus told me it was
0: okay and hey, it, what to practice voodoo
1: yeah like to do, to do voodoo like she says it.
0: like wow. she just so she up, just makes stuff up like that yeah yeah
1: and to me that that is the nature of like american evangelical protestantism which is, it's like, they they try putting and talking about this stuff. I remember I would watch the 700 Club all the time. And there was a whole discussion on grace to them. And I was just like, what in the world are they talking about? Well, like, it's a certain
0: amount of uh, humility.
1: Yeah, but they didn't even say that. They didn't even talk about it practically. Like, I had a background of just reading the Bible every night in high school. And going up and, like... Studi- why would
0: you why would you do that? I was in a Jesuit school and uh, as much as they wanted us to do it, nobody did cuz
1: I was I was really thirsty for that knowledge.
0: Oh, you weren't studying theology.
1: Yeah, no no no, I was in high school. I believe
0: I believe that uh, theology courses would be very beneficial to the American population.
1: If you put all religions next to each other in a public school, I got no opposition to it.
0: But when you do it that way, you'd have to have different classes for each subject because no one would be no teacher, not enough of them. Maybe I, I, my, versed enough to In do my it.
1: private school, which was for like kids with learning disabilities, yeah. they taught Moses like he was a historical fact.
0: And you believe he isn't?
1: There's a lot of, there's really weird stuff, the way the Bible describes Moses, where he's a mythological figure. That I would not take him as a literal character. Like, even when I talk about the Buddha, I'm very careful to say the mythological story.
0: Did, because, he, did he make it to the promised land or not? No. I I tried to bust him and I couldn't. <laughs> now, well, like, could you? The big, the big do, thing that I feel you be able. Come out. Would like... you be able to uh, give me an idea that would help me find it in the Bible that can be so that I could read it and see if I also see mysticism in Moses because I believe he does. He did Moses, exist. Moses
1: like lived something for over a hundred years.
0: So that that is the reason for that, you.
1: That that, that that to me already is mark enough. Like you know. With all the miracles and everything else aside, like, how does a guy from the Bronze Age live that long? Like, that's crazy.
0: Um, 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 Let unfortunately, me double check that.
1: Let me double check that because I know a lot of people in the Old Testament live, like, crazy long times. Like, okay. I think Adam and Eve lived like, 900.
0: But there's a certain divinity about long life. Um, one of the longest and oldest and most uh, prominent of the rabbis also lived way into 100 in modern times. And he passed away acknowledging that. Yeah,
1: Moses lived 120 years. Yeah. That I, guy would have to be on like like a wheelchair on okay, the journey. Okay, but
0: you're also assuming, <laughs> here I'm going to throw this one out, yeah. and the audience too. Keep in mind, in biblical times, calendar years were not our calendar years yeah. that we know today. So 120 years is 120 years for you isn't necessarily 120 years in those days. In However, terms of but time. it's like
1: I—I I will just say we've gotten. do not like they had calendars, you but know? we've gotten to the point already, where the conversation about these figures is under so much stipulation, so much, so much like pontificating, so much ideas that we we have to contend if these stories mean something to us. And it's totally awesome that they do. Like it's totally great that a story can mean something to you, and they can help out. I know people who have like.
0: But finish that thought. It can help out what depression.
1: It can help depression. It can bring purpose. It okay. can do this stuff. I've met people who rolled their eyes. Or oh, just a, simple solace. I've met people who roll their eyes at religion, but we'll talk about superheroes like they're real.
0: Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> that's you, oh, that's a product of a uh, of a generation. I'll tell you. No, no, no. Uh,
1: but, but so very much like I'm all not bored. Are you
0: gonna tell me this isn't political pandering?
1: Wait, wait, wait! hold on. Let me, let me finish my Joe Biden crossing when we, when we the, to, uh, the bridge to, in Alabama? But when we get to a point that we're talking about like a figure who we have to admit that there is very hard things to admit if there is real about them, we can't really use that to be policy. We can't really use that to be a bludgeoning tool for everyone in their way of life.
0: Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the Far East faiths, it's very hard for any Catholic to really debate uh, a faith that doesn't really predate Catholicism and Judaism, but remember what they said about Abraham, uh Sarah gave him a child when he when they were both I believe uh I think they were 80 something years old and and she bore him a child. So I can see where your mysticism comes from.
1: Yeah, but like I guess where I want to go on top of this um, was talk very much about, like, what it means about these stories and sort of things, because I feel like when I think back the fact that I was covertly really taught religion in school, which really got me start thinking, I remember I was shown the Ten Commandments in a history class.
0: What's wrong with that? We're a Judeo-Christian society.
1: I mean, it's wrong in the sense that, like, I would also want, like, a a sword and sandals movie about Muhammad,
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, that was a, that was at least it was an honest answer. I like, but like a Judeo, you but go. you understand a Judeo Christian society in its foundation doesn't necessarily mean that it has to. You are free to search and research Muhammad on your own, but it doesn't seems like it's a prerequisite in order for you not to find. The Ten Commandments uh, repulsive, because it was no Muhammad mentioned.
1: I mean, I don't find the Ten Commandments repulsive. I really like the movie. Was, no, no, no.
0: Don't get me wrong. Not the it's not, I, the, I not to, the commandments uh, itself. Being taught it. Sure.
1: But just like giving, I need that air of separation that like, I wish that I had received that as a kid was that they just told me like, hey, we're going to teach you about religion. We're not teaching you religion. We're teaching you about it. And,
0: and I, you were you were in a private school.
1: I was in a private school for learning disabilities, mind you. Um, of course, this got by because it was in Florida, and I was never upset. I was never offended. It just got me. Stupid. You were here
0: locally, or you were somewhere? I in was the- in Kendall. Okay, that's not local. That's like another nation. No, yeah. I'm, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just. Well, I want
1: it. to say like the one thing like coming away from the Megan McCain book was like her relationship with like Jesus was none of. Like, Wait a minute!
0: You can't use like and Jesus in the same sentence you I right? like Jesus Okay but it's not li- it's, <laughs> it's not like liking Jesus it's her relationship I with like Jesus
1: Je- her relationship with Jesus is like no
0: other relationship was like a
1: complete confirmation bias was like
0: that's the only way you can like Jesus is confirmation bias.
1: But that's not the point of faith. You're supposed you're supposed to have some sort of inner turmoil. Not we're supposed ha- not... to. You're supposed to rip open your clothes and go, God, why? Why have you cursed me? No, that's not like all of no. the stories
0: are no. about. Like, that's, no, that's
1: what, all no. of the
0: disciples. They fall and well, they get back up. I don't debate that. A lot of people <laughs> felt they and were American cursed.
1: Protestantism, American evangelical Protestantism, managed to take the whole. The whole part out of the Christianity that makes it noble to begin with, it took out all of the sacrifice. It took out all of the virtue. The obedience. It took out the obedience. No, everything. no, that's
0: not true. They're actually, no, because quite... you can
1: always go off and start your own church. You can always go off and start your own church. You are among
0: really... the Protestants. Absolutely,
1: yeah. You're not. You're not held responsible. They're
0: not the church.
1: You're not held responsible to anything.
0: They believe that we are a bunch of corrupt. You know, we're like the central government of faith. Oh, no, they think
1: you're Babylon. They think you guys are the Antichrist.
0: Yes, exactly. (laughs) That isn't an understatement. That we are everything that is wrong with our faith, it's the Vatican. And Uh, all I can say to them, to uh, us Protestants out there who are really obsessed with that issue, please understand, (laughs) nobody feeds the poor more than the Catholic Church.
1: It it was just like, how do I say Like, the more time I, like, encountered um, Protestantism, like American like evangelical protestantism the more time that i like felt like you know i can't really get mad about my catholic upbringing i can't hold anything against it like you believe
0: anything in your upbringing uh deterred you today that you learned back then in your I, catholic upbringing
1: i feel like i fulfilled it
0: you fulfill being a catholic by I, running away in
1: my own like i in, mean you're
0: not the first
1: no but yeah it's a good question it's a good it's a good thing to drill me on because it it sounds weird But when I really. It doesn't
0: sound weird. That's a rule in this radio station. That word (laughs) is a banishment of. It it sounds contradictory.
1: It sounds contradictory. There you go. Now you've
0: expressed yourself without a like.
1: It sounds contradictory. But I really do feel when I went through my atheist phase, like I was at odds with myself. You
0: know that Mother Teresa also went through an atheist phase of self doubt? Yeah,
1: I remember. She wrote about it in her diaries. Um, Yes. But what I had kind of felt going through all of it and getting on the other side was what I was really searching was like, you know, kind of a path of wisdom, a path of compassion, a path of charity that had been instilled to me in my Catholic upbringing that I'm very, very grateful for, you know, because I hung around a lot of Jesuits, a lot of left leaning Jesuits particularly um, who really talked specifically about the need for compassion and the need for charity
0: and forgiveness
1: and forgiveness. Yes. Like, you know, not harboring anger, not harboring rage. And I remember I, I would ask and talk to priests. You know, I'm angry with someone. I'm I'm viciously angry with them. Like, what do I do? And I forgive
0: remember, them. They would say, "Pray." No,
1: um, you're right. That is a part, but like, what's so important for to, me?
0: It's a a, a priestly cop out.
1: But what? Come really, on, I want
0: some real something to hold on to. You can just tell me, well, forgive he, them and pray.
1: He said something that really got with me, which was that um, he said, "Remember, your anger hides fear."
0: Ooh, good answer.
1: So to me, I always like a
0: dog who barks and yeah. growls, they're really scared sh- shipless.
1: So to me when I came back to spirituality and I went through it all over again, to me spirituality was kind of um an emotional awareness, was a mastery of the self, was not letting your feelings destroy you, was not l- was learning how to unpetty yourself, was learning how to be your best self and why to be your best self or what is the rationale or what is the need? To me it was like truly fulfilling when i went through that whole journey how when, old were you um this, this this probably been my life going through i want to say 17 no no 15 yeah, when you 15, have a lot of 15, 15 to 31 15
0: oh to 30. so oh you so you had you hit a lot of people
1: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. so it was like really a process of unlearning what i felt were a series of confirmation biases that anybody who really grows up in a worldview has you know, which was just like...
0: Wait a minute. Growing up in a worldview, that yeah. seems particular to you.
1: But th- I think that's to anybody. Like I know I, that
0: I, like you, here's a similarity without really knowing if it's true or not. But I definitely grew up with a worldview in the sense that my parents were advocate, strong anti-communists and got involved in the political discourse and managed to maintain businesses, pay taxes, employ people... Always in a common goal-centered life, but we were political. We were we had a worldview. Is that what you mean?
1: I mean, when I went to Catholic school, and what I was learning was very much how would I put it? Like, it's pretty funny. I, the Jesuit CCC school was pretty like old. that. Was
0: what uh, what grades? Holy
1: Trinity. This was high school when I went for confirmation. Oh, formation. Yeah. Okay. So, so you
0: were you were like I. Uh, I went to Belen Jesuit. I had the honor to be thrown out of Belen Jesuit. <laughs>
1: Okay. Uh, but yeah, so, by the
0: way, uh, kudos to Belen Jesuit High School basketball team that just won the state championship for the first time in our history. Nice. And I happen to be very proud of that notion because, like I say all the time, to my defeat and demise, I was a trailblazer basketball player at Belen. And I was able to establish records that were beaten later, broken later, I should say. So, kudos to Boland for winning the state championship of, against a state champion, uh, mainland uh, high school. They were bigger, stronger, faster, and they lost to the little white guys. <laughs> no, sorry, the little brown guys. <laughs> And no, that's not true they had they had, uh, they had I
1: feel like that statement's very revealing about how Hispanics feel about Woo! themselves.
0: No, just how Bo- <laughs> it just it's how us basketball players Everybody. wait a minute, you gotta clarify that because that could get sticky. it's how it's how Boland basketball players feel, felt like when they would compete at the highest level in basketball with inferior size, talent, and ability to an ability to to jump. <laughs> And the very fact that these short white guys, like the coach said in his press conference after Belen won, I listened to it after the fact, he said, well, you know, if you have horses, you win the horse race. You win with the horses you have. In our case, I have rats. Because
1: the great Donald Rumsfeld, you go to war with the army you want, not yeah. the army you wish you had.
0: So let me repeat without <laughs> interruption, you win the you win. You win with the horses you have. You win the horse race. In my case, I could not make them grow, so I have rats, and I won. We won the rat race, and that's bulling. So that's the point I was trying to make. So continue. It, it,
1: it's really funny because I've been saying this before and, and it just happened is that every single time we're talking about politics, we're like, you're a dishonest piece of crap. You're, you're not understanding any of the data. And then it's like when we're, it's religion, we're like all pious and calm and like contemplative that's not, and that's emotionally deep and empathetic sorry, with one sorry. another. It's very interesting. I'm it's never- not,
0: <laughs> I think that most people can gather who know me personally, who are in the mainland, who don't know me. They can gather that I'm Catholic, they can gather that I'm proactively pro, you know, pro-life, and I'm very proactively pro-United States freedom and democracy and entrepreneurialism. But, pious I am not. I'm neither a saint nor a sinner to the degree that most people believe And I'm not so deeply religious as maybe someone would uh, claim I'm trying to be. That's not true. I think
1: there's got to be a way that you go forward after you've done your journey where it's described as effortless and like, the way of the Tao.
0: Yeah, but that doesn't happen here on Earth. That happens later. In life thereafter. it, It
1: happens with life. Once you go through enough, you acquire enough wisdom and peace of mind and soul. That you're able to traverse through life much easier.
0: Very few people.
1: I, I, I think there's a real truth to this. That's like you come back and that's you a, have That's a new, something that people
0: seek only if they do. Most people do not do. They go around drifting. I remember going, uh, I went to some seminar. I can't remember its name. Um, it was quite popular. I was encouraged to go. I went ahead and went. I really enjoyed the speaker three days and it was nothing religious, it was quite quite controversial. There's a name for it, it was quite popular at the time. And one thing I got out of it was the drift. The famous, get along, go along, do absolutely nothing that makes your life at all inconvenient, and don't really pursue your dreams, and just get along and do what you need to pay your bills and drift along. And I think the majority of people spend all their time in their lives drifting. Drifting and going wherever the current pushes them. And unfortunately that's over 90% of the people.
1: I think there's a there's a deal of peace that I learned in not relinquishing control of my life, but no Yet. longer feeling to control everything.
0: That is a very good deed. We control nothing, including our reputations and anything of that nature. And and once you You accept that, you have
1: more control. Yes, It's a truth within a contradiction. That is what Zen is. It's truth within contradictions.
0: It's okay if you don't fit in my box. You don't have to. Yeah, That's basically it. Too many people don't like you simply because you don't fit in their box. And if you are not a person who can be measured by four corners... That's a big problem for a lot of people. And unfortunately, I have a drop-the-mic moment. Since most of my thoughts come from the right side of the box, I'm going to play the video that I have up here on queue about the great American individual philanthropists out there who kicked ass in government. And he'll say, Oh, see, government! I go, that was a trick. Kicked ass in business because government allowed them. Succeed. And of course, he'll, the cynical, say, Oh, look at these people they inherited, like the Koch brothers. Here we go. So enjoy the best philanthropists in history. USA. Elton John, 38 million. Britain. Doris Christopher, 45 million. Lifetime, a year. Oprah Winfrey, 172. A year. 240 million. Charles Koch. 764 million. Jack Dorsey, Twitter. Russian, 1 billion. Victor Oligarch. Ted Turner, 1.4 billion. Hoshbrick Weiss, 1.9 billion. Phil Knight, 2 billion. Nike. USA. Jeff Bezos, 2.1 billion. Jalen Wetson, 2.3 billion. Sweden. Mark Zuckerberg, 3 billion. Carlos Slim, Mexican, 4.2 billion. That's a surprise of YouTube. I thought it was going to be USA. It's the world's philanthropists and how much they gave one person who's on the queue right now 5.8 billion lifetime giving in his estate Ashner Usmanov from the Soviet Union there's a lot of money that came out of the Soviet Union's fall of the Berlin Wall that's a lot of 10% going to Putin my god so anyway I'm going to continue uh, searching for the great philanthropists of the United States or I just give up on the whole idea what do you think I mean, I think I missed my point. Yeah. Presidential firsts from Washington to Joe Biden. Does anybody want to listen to that? That seems very interesting.
8: Being the first president of the United States, George Washington has many distinctions. Notably, he was the first and one of only two presidents to go uncontested in a presidential election. Washington was elected president twice and both times went uncontested. John Adams was the first president not to be a slave owner. His son, John Quincy Adams, also never owned slaves. They are the only two presidents of the first 12 with this distinction. Thomas Jefferson was the first of 20 presidents to also serve as governor. Jefferson served as the second governor of Virginia for two years, starting when he was 36. James Madison's mother was still alive by the end of his eight-year presidency making him the first president with a parent still alive upon leaving office. Eleanor Rose Conway Madison was 20 when the future president was born. She died in 1829 at age 98. James Monroe was the first of 17 presidents to have previously served as senator. John Quincy Adams was the first president to be photographed. However, he wasn't the first president to be photographed while serving as president. Adams served from 1825 to 1829. The popular photograph of Adams was taken in 1843, leaving many today to think Adams looked much older while he was serving as president than he actually did. With a history marred by violence, duels, and war, it might come as no surprise that Andrew Jackson was the first president to survive an assassination attempt while in office. An unemployed painter tried to shoot Jackson, but his pistol misfired. The 66-year-old president attacked his would-be assassin with his cane. He only stopped when others intervened. Martin Van Buren is the first and only president to have learned English as a second language. As his father was descended from the Netherlands, Van Buren grew up speaking Dutch and only learned English once he was in school. There was a photo taken of William Henry Harrison after his inaugural address in 1841, making him the first president to have his photograph taken while in office. However, the photo has since been lost. Thus, the earliest existing photograph of a president in office is of 11th President James K. Polk. John Tyler was the first president to be widowed while in the White House and the first to remarry while in the White House. Letitia Christian Tyler died during Tyler's second year in office. Later that year, he took interest in 22-year-old Julia Gardner, being 30 years her senior. The couple wed two years later, during the final months of Tyler's presidency. James K. Polk was the first president to be outlived by a parent, his mother. This would be the case for many later presidents who died in office, but Polk actually lived out his term. He died two months after the end of his presidency, at age 53. It was likely cholera that killed him. He was also the first president to die before turning 60. Polk came into the White House with gusto and vigor, like his predecessor and mentor, Andrew Jackson, but four years in the office took a heavy toll. In 1848, Zachary Taylor became the first of five presidents to assume office without having been elected to a public office prior. Even George Washington, who is primarily known for his role in the War for Independence, had prior experience in Virginia politics. Taylor won the election mainly due to his fame as a national hero during the Mexican-American War. Millard Fillmore was the first president to leave office with his father still alive. Furthermore, his father, Nathaniel Fillmore, was vibrant and healthy, even as he approached 80 years. When he visited the White House, other guests were astonished by how he looked so close in age to the president. Nathaniel eventually died at 91, ten years after his son left office. Franklin Pierce delivered his inaugural address from memory, being the first president to do so rather than reading it. This alone was impressive but perhaps even more so as Pierce was still devastated by the death of his son only months earlier. Though often considered one of the worst and sometimes the single worst president, Pierce's ability as a charismatic statesman is unquestioned. James Buchanan was the first president to be born in Pennsylvania. For over a century and a half, he was the only president from the state until 46th President Joe Biden assumed the office in 2020. Abraham Lincoln was the first president to have a full beard while in office. Following his vice president, Andrew Johnson, his next three Republican successors, Ulysses S. Grant, Rutherford B. Hayes, and James A. Garfield, would also have full beards. While James Monroe was the first president to serve in the Senate prior to becoming president, Andrew Johnson was the first to serve after being president. Thus far, no other president has done so. Ulysses S. Grant was the first president to allow for the creation of a national park by the act of dedication, thus creating Yellowstone National Park. Grant had a love of nature since his youth, being an avid outdoorsman and horse rider. During Rutherford B. Hayes' presidency, the White House had its first telephone installed. Hayes is often quoted as saying of the telephone, quote, It's a great invention, but who would ever want to use one? Even 44th President Barack Obama quoted Hayes as saying this during a speech. According to historians, however, Hayes never made this statement. He was actually very enthusiastic about new technologies. He even had Thomas Edison visit the White House during his presidency and show off one of his new inventions. James A. Garfield was ambidextrous and the first left-handed president, or at least the first known left-handed president. In contrast with the previous century, the 20th century saw many left-handed presidents, such as Harry S. Truman, Ronald Reagan, and Bill Clinton. Chester A. Arthur was the first president to have an elevator installed in the White House. While he wasn't the first president to be married while serving as president, Grover Cleveland was the first to get married in the White House. Going into his presidency, Cleveland was a bachelor. He was also the first president to have a child born in the White House. Benjamin Harrison was the first president to have a lighted Christmas tree in the White House. Harrison notoriously hated the presidency, often quitting work days at noon. Upon the end of his term, he said he felt as though he were being freed from prison. He much preferred spending time with his children, who lived at the White House along with their children. During Christmas, he would dress up as Santa Claus and spoil his grandchildren with gifts. William McKinley was the first president to ride in an automobile. It was a steam-powered automobile invented by O.F. Stanley, and very different from the cars of today. McKinley's ride wasn't an enjoyable one. He felt as though, at best, the driver would lose control, or at worst, the vehicle would explode on its bumpy ride. Theodore Roosevelt was the first president to be wounded by an assassin after serving as president. In October 1912, Roosevelt was campaigning for an unprecedented third term when he was struck by a single bullet fired by a mentally ill man. The bullet lodged in Roosevelt's chest muscles. It was slowed down after passing through a steel eyeglasses case and a copy of a speech. As he wasn't coughing blood, Roosevelt correctly concluded that the bullet hadn't reached his lung. Therefore, he asked the police to take away the would-be assassin, but not to do him any harm. Then, he began and finished an entire speech before receiving medical attention. William Howard Taft was the first president to have also served on the Supreme Court, In 1921, eight years after leaving office, Taft became the court's chief justice. Despite the presidency being the more highly acclaimed office, serving on the Supreme Court was actually Taft's lifelong dream. Woodrow Wilson is actually the first president to be buried in Washington, D.C. He remains the only president buried in the district. In 1923, Warren G. Harding became the first president to die before his father. He passed unexpectedly during the third year of his term due to a heart attack. The first radio broadcast from the White House was given by Calvin Coolidge in 1924. It was a tribute to his predecessor, Warren G. Harding. Harding was actually the first to have his voice broadcast on the radio, but Coolidge would make excessive use of the technology during his six years. The iconic image of the phone at the president's desk began with Herbert Hoover. While President Hayes was the first to have a telephone installed in the White House, Hoover was the first to have a phone on the president's desk. Franklin D. Roosevelt was the first president who traveled via airplane while serving as president. Prior to this, it was actually considered unsafe for a president to fly on an airplane, though Roosevelt would make extensive use of flight during his 12-year presidency, allowing him to visit Haiti, Iran, and the Soviet Union. He was also the first president to visit each of these nations. Ironically, Roosevelt's fifth cousin, Theodore Roosevelt, had been the first president to fly via any aircraft, though this was after his presidency. Harry S. Truman was the first president to visit Germany. After the surrender of the Nazis, Truman met with Joseph Stalin and Winston Churchill in ally-occupied territory. Hawaii and Alaska were only admitted into the Union in 1959. Thus, Dwight D. Eisenhower was the first president to govern all 50 states. Along with Richard Nixon, John F. Kennedy was the first president to compete in a live, televised presidential debate. In prior elections, presidential debates weren't standard practice. In the 1940 election, Franklin Roosevelt's Republican rival, Wendell Wilkie, proposed the idea of a radio-broadcasted debate, but Roosevelt declined. Lyndon B. Johnson was the first president to appoint an African American to the Supreme Court with the appointment of thurgood marshall johnson remarked that he quote deserves the appointment i believe it is the right thing to do the right time to do it the right man and the right place two other african american judges have since served on the supreme court clarence thomas and Ketanji brown jackson richard nixon was the first vice president to be elected to the office of president without being the incumbent vice president When John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, and Martin Van Buren were elected president, they were serving as vice president for the current administration. Nixon served as vice president for Dwight Eisenhower from 1953 to 1961. He did run in the election of 1960, but lost to Kennedy. He would finally win the presidency for himself in 1968. Gerald Ford was the first and only president to never be elected to the office. Some presidents, such as John Tyler and Andrew Johnson, only assumed the office after the death of their predecessor and would never win an election of their own. However, they were on the presidential ticket as vice president. When Nixon was running for re-election in 1972, his running mate was Spiro Agnew. Agnew resigned early in Nixon's second term, and it was only then that Nixon made Ford his new vice president. Prior to this position, Ford was serving as House Minority Leader. Jimmy Carter was the first president to use his nickname rather than his real name, James Earl Carter Jr., in an official capacity. Carter signed documents using his nickname and even used it while taking the oath of office. In 1981, Ronald Reagan became the first president to survive an assassination attempt in office despite being wounded. A bullet which hit Reagan in his underarm broke his rib and punctured his lung, causing internal bleeding. It's believed that it was only for the quick thinking of a Secret Service agent, Jerry Parr, that Ronald Reagan survived. George H.W. Bush was the first president to have previously served as acting president. In this role, the president passes presidential power to the vice president for a limited period of time. Bush served as acting president for eight hours while Ronald Reagan underwent colon cancer surgery. Bill Clinton was the first president to send an email. He didn't use digital communication often, however, preferring face-to-face interactions. George W. Bush was the first president to leave office with both his parents alive. George Bush Sr. and Barbara Bush lived through their sons eight years, Barack Obama's two terms, and died during Donald Trump's term in 2018. Both were in their 90s. The official presidential portrait of Barack Obama, taken in 2009, was taken with a digital camera, making him the first president with this distinction. Donald Trump is the first president to have assumed office without having ever been elected to a political office, held a public office, or have military experience. Other presidents, such as Zachary Taylor, Ulysses S. Grant, and Dwight D. Eisenhower, had never previously been elected but were military generals. Herbert Hoover hadn't previously been elected, but served in the administrations of Woodrow Wilson and Calvin Coolidge. Joe Biden is the first president to have served as a senator for over 35 years. The president with the second most years in the Senate, Lyndon B. Johnson, served 12. To support regular uploads from this channel, consider subscribing and donating to Resyndicated on Patreon. Donations from 2 to $15 a month help towards more frequent uploads. Patreon link in the description below.
0: Guess what, folks? That's the end of our show. We started 10 minutes into the, the 5 o'clock hour. We got
1: three more minutes.
0: And he wants to say something. He's got three more minutes. I, as I guess Democrats I ignoring I, I, Tifa's reign of terror.
1: I guess I just want to understand astrology. I feel like it's a big thing that's made a big resurgence, and it feels really arbitrary when like, when I see it discussed. I want to know like, the cosmology, or I get the utility of it, but I want to understand the cosmology of it, because that's what's always evaded me. You well, ever heard about astrology?
0: I only heard about staying free, my friends. That's, All right, staying free. You know, we're back in a moment. We're going to have to talk about back in a couple days, because... From the story of the presidents to astrology, we ain't going there. Okay, folks? So thank you for listening to The Young and Old Show here on Blink Radio, WSQF 94.5 FM. And it's time for John Cougar. Serious business. If you like our programming on WSQF 94.5 in us going, you can also hear us very far away nationwide, WSQF radio.com and if you like our audio files and our subject matter subscribe to youtube mac on the rock rampage take care and stay free